What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Welcome back to another episode of the On the Sideline podcast with Jackson and Kyle. I am Jackson, and I'm joined here, as always, by the man who's about to jump off a bridge. Kyle, Kyle, how are you doing? Uh, doing okay. Uh, obviously, <laughs> hanging in there. Losing like that's never fun, but we'll talk about it here. Let's get it going. Yeah, I have to say, uh, is this you, or did, did you type, let's go into the chat, or did someone else impersonating you do this? No, that was me, yeah. It now <laughs> okay. lets me type comments, so I'm going to... I'll engage with the chat every now and then. <laughs> okay, I like that. What if you start like being mean to us? Like I'll just, like say something you're like awful take Jackson. I might do that. I mean, it depends. It depends on whatever <laughs> whatever I need to say. I'll put it in the chat, no doubt about okay. it. Okay. So, yes, thanks to everyone in the chat including Kyle. Uh should have a a lively show. Uh you know, uh someone saying football was awesome today. Football was awesome today. Except for the the late slate. That that was a bit rough, but uh for the most part, a lot 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 of a lot of intrigue here, Kyle. Yeah, there was a lot of good games, and you know, as we were talking about off air, even the blowups were kind of interesting in some ways. Um, the only thing that was not interesting today for me was a Taylor Swift being in attendance again, and b Toy Story football. That was not interesting to me. How today, dare so. we'll, we'll get into it. We'll talk about uh, all of this. Well, let's start off with the Sunday night game, as we always do. Starting off the Sunday night game, I got to be honest. First half of this game, I was like. I'm going to catch up on some of these other games. We know how this is going. And he, it kind of started off that way. I was checking in the score, what was like 17 nothing right away or whatever, or 17, I forget exactly what it was. But you know, uh, yeah, 17 nothing. Chiefs got up right away. I was like, okay, yeah, we get it. Uh, let me, all of a sudden, Zach Wilson plays competent football. I don't think he played that great. I think he played competent football here. I think that he, you could argue he played better than Mahomes because Mahomes, I did not think played, I don't know. Mahomes had a weird day. Mahomes was up and down. I'm all over the place. Kyle, your thoughts on this game? Uh, I agree with you. Zach Wilson was the best quarterback in this game today. Um, All right. Granted, there were definitely some mistakes on his part. There was a point, um, I think when they made it 17-5, that he had basically a touchdown pass that he just missed. He didn't read the play. Um, And there were a few mistakes there. But the fact that like this was a significant improvement from what we saw the first three weeks of the season. from Zach Wilson. So I thought this was a really good, this was a solid performance for him and he put his team in a position to win it. Obviously the fumble's unfortunate. You can't put yourself in that position, but I thought like the fact that he put his team in a position to actually win this game, potentially, I thought was a huge step up. Yeah. And and this is no slouch defense either. I mean, this is a defense that we kind of look at as a pretty good one. So uh, definitely, um, you know, 
I, I guess where do we go with let, let's start with Zach Wilson, then we'll get to Mahomes, and then we'll talk about the holding call because those are I think the three big storylines. Zach Wilson was able to make this a game, made some real throws, also didn't have some you know could have had a turnover or two that uh, didn't happen that could have happened, but I don't know. Uh, is is this something to build off of here for Zach Wilson? Might as well, right? You have thirteen games left. Might as well, you know part of the I think the appeal of not trade going for another quarterback is you kind of get to see what you have with Zach Wilson if you have anything. Yeah, I mean, like if I guess what what is the goal of the Jets for this season, right? If they still want to try and like galvanize this thing and make a run at a playoff spot. If they think that's a realistic goal this year, then they should probably trade for a quarterback if a quarterback's available. If a Kirk Cousins is available or something like that, you should probably trade for that if your goal is to still make the playoffs this season. If you want to see what you have in Zach Wilson and see if maybe he could be a future backup quarterback, maybe you could still try and figure something out. I don't know. Then yeah, keep playing him because I, I don't think that I don't think this team is just any quarterback away from making the playoffs, any quarterback upgrade away from making the playoffs. They're still going to need something significant to really make that happen. And if it's not worth the risk or uh, worth the draft capital, then, yeah, just play him, see what happens, and go from there. I mean, I, he's going to have some bad weeks, I think, still. And I still, you know, wouldn't have – I still probably would have benched him last week. But at the same time, you know, this was this was productive. This was a step forward. So you got to give him credit for that, too. Yeah. For sure. Um, Patrick Mahomes had a rough day. Now, we kind of saw, I don't know, this, you know, I guess the Jets defense is just really good at playing elite quarterbacks because what they did to Josh Allen earlier this year as well. Um, mm-hmm. I think that the, you know, I'm not concerned. Mahomes had some weird, even that, like, that holding uh, penalty, which again, we will get to, like that was just like, a, I don't know what he was doing there. I don't know why he made that yeah. throw at all. Just like threw it up in double coverage for no reason. Uh, it had some really weird plays, had two interceptions, could have had two more. Um, you know, it wasn't good. And I think another thing is like this chief's offense, just defense is very good, but this chief's offense with the, when they're not playing the bears still just does not look as, uh, effective as we're used to seeing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, and then we even said last week, even in that game where they scored 41 on the bears, like it didn't feel fully in sync still. Um, are we concerned about it long-term? I'm still saying probably not. It's only four weeks into the season, and you came away from these four weeks three and one. So you can't complain about it too much. But it does seem like the lack of number one receiver is more prevalent now than ever since this uh, Tyreek Hill trade. And I think that they had some issues in uh, uh, the first couple weeks. I think they had issues with that this week. And, you know, they can't rely on Kelsey to do everything. They can't rely on Kelsey for every big play, it feels like. And it feels like they are right now. I mean, the interception or one of the interceptions, he just threw right to CJ Mosley. There is yeah. another play where Kelsey and Mahomes had a mix up on the route, or it was one of those plays where they say Kelsey can kind of do his own thing. And Mahomes threw another one right to CJ Mosley. You know, he could have realistically had four, four interceptions at least in this game, which is a very uncharacteristic thing for Patrick Mahomes. And I would say even like on those four like dangerous passes, a lot of those looked like his fault, at least from from our point of view. They looked like just reckless throws. Yep. Uh, you know, uh, we have a chat. Mahomes is amazing, no doubt, but it does seem like he had a lot of bad turnovers. Most of the time, he wins anyway. Though, yeah, but kind of. It is. It is one of the negatives of his game. He will put the ball in harm's way for sure. Just the good obviously outweighs the bad. Completely agree. Kyle, let's talk about the. You know, 
what we're what, the, what we should have seen, I feel like, was Zach Wilson getting one more chance to see if he can pull off this upset as Patrick Mahomes in a third and 20 situation just throws up a arm punt, basically, which I don't know why you arm punt there. They, they could, he could have checked down and they would have gotten in field goal range. I don't know why he made that call. Just throws one up. It gets intercepted. But as he's get as it's getting intercepted, you see the flag come out. And some people are saying the flag came out after the interception. It didn't really. The ref was holding the flag, and it seemed like he he kind of uh, held it for a bit just to make sure he didn't hit anybody with the flag. But he had to flag out. It was going to be. It, it was. They didn't throw the flag because of the interception. I don't think. Um, it was a holding penalty, and it's one of those where it's like I kind of see why a ref could think it was holding. Like if you're not, you don't get the best angle from a certain spot. It kind of looks like it is holding, but obviously in the replay. It was not holding. It, there was contact, but it was not on Sauce Gardner that ends up giving the Chiefs automatic first down. Also, the ball had already been thrown, so if it was holding, it should have been a pass interference, which is weird in the other way. So either way, a lot of mistakes there. Uh, would have been nice to see the Jets get one more chance there. It would have absolutely been nice to see. Um, I guess just kind of unpacking the whole thing. The tough thing is like the so we have these rules in place for holding illegal contact, defensive pass interference, all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And every play, there's cornerback, receiver, hand grabbing, you know, kind of playing in a lot of these games. And, you know, it happens almost on every play. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it goes uncalled. You know, you see a lot of plays where, you know, ball on the sideline and corners are like, you know, holding back the inside hand of the receiver. And a lot of this stuff goes uncalled. And th- this one, for some reason, was the one that was called. And like you said, they made the wrong call to begin with if they were going to throw a flag. And I wouldn't have agreed with any flag there because they were both jostling for position. Um, I don't think Tariko and Collinsworth did a really good job of just describing how of awfully officiated this game was as a whole, too. Mm-hmm. Like, this wasn't even, like, one of the worst calls, I think. Like, you know, you could go through this entire game. The safety, like... It was a stupid play from Jawan Taylor, but he clearly is at the one yard line when that safety takes place. It wasn't in the end zone. You know, there was the horse collar tackle where he grabs him by the front that they call the horse collar tackle, which doesn't even make sense. Um, you know, the they they had that holding on Jawan Taylor for Jermaine Johnson that moved them back to third and forever. The very next play, Jermaine Johnson's held again in the very same kind of capacity for like four or five seconds. Yeah. Mahomes scampers for that first down. He gets that. And then later there's the holding call on Sauce Gardner. There was four or five really back-breaking penalties or game-changing plays by referees in this game that were just, just horrendous, just absolutely horrendous plays. Um, so I think, um, you know, it's unfortunate that, you know, game on Sunday night, a game that ended up being a lot more entertaining than we thought. And, you know, the Jets played well and gave it their best shot. It's unfortunate that this game kind of is marked by this because I just thought it was poorly done as a whole. This whole officiating staff, this is one of those things where it gets annoying that officiating staffs aren't penalized for things. You know, there's no ramifications for referees doing a bad job. But if a player does a bad job, he gets cut. If a coach does a bad job, he gets fired. But these referees are going to go around a game next week, and they had just an egregiously bad game on national TV. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I, I always kind of feels like these are the best people in the world at this. Like, it's real. It's really hard to officiate something. And like, I think that like, I just think there should be, you know, bring the sky judge. We need a sky judge. This can be. It's such a simple fix. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there, there there feels like there could be several things that they could do. And, you know, the NFL is not, you know, the NFL has ample amount of resources. I just had to watch an animated game with toys 
you know, they, they can do any of this. You didn't have to watch. You could have. Do you have ESPN Plus? You could have watched a regular version. I know. I just, it was <laughs> funny. Uh, <laughs> uh, but, I mean, they have all these resources. You know, they could definitely afford extra refereeing help some way, somehow. Um, so, yeah, I think it's a, uh, I thought it was a, I thought it was a poorly done game by the officials. I think they should be ashamed of that performance. Uh, regardless if it's tough to gig or not, I thought it was bad. And uh, that was unfortunate. Well, speaking of performances you should be ashamed of, the New England Patriots uh, went into Jerry World, and it was a disaster, Kyle. I can't, we can't bury the lead here as, uh, I don't know, you kind of said last week, Belichick needs to retire, Mac Jones is not the guy, and I was like, oh, that's a little bit harsh. Uh, yeah, you, you nailed it. <laughs> uh, yeah, this team's not fun to watch. Um, yeah. The offense has somehow regressed from Matt Patricia. Um, you know, and I mean, a lot of the, this team isn't like good to begin with, but there's a lot of injuries too, that aren't helping. You know, the offensive line we talked about has had injuries all year. They can't keep a cornerback healthy. Now, you know, their rookie of the month was defensive NFL defensive rookie of the month. Christian Gonzalez gets hurt in the first quarter of this game. They're probably best player on either side of the ball. Uh, Matthew Judon also gets hurt. So, um, and that one sounds like it's a little more significant too. So now you're down probably your two best defensive players from a team that already was playing like Sean Wade, real snaps at corner because they can't keep corners on the field. Um, so a lot of that's a problem for the uh, defense and kind of why they got torched today a little bit. But yeah, I mean, they also gave up two touchdowns with the offensive offensive unit on the field. It's brutal. And you know, I said last week I'm pretty much, you know, I've I've given up hope on Mac. I don't think he's a stiff, even though he played terribly today. But we just don't have the kind of personnel that's gonna let him do anything. You know, he's definitely the kind of quarterback that is gonna need a particular roster and skill set around him. And he's not getting that here. And even then, like, you know, the first drive of the game, he makes a couple great plays. He has Mike Kosicki wide open in the end zone. He misses a touchdown. We have to settle for three. Instead of seven, uh, instead of going up 7-3, it's 3-3. Three to three. Dallas goes down and scores. So, I mean, just stuff like that over and over again where it feels like, you know, Mac Jones three out of every five plays is awesome, but it's the two plays that are just absolutely backbreakers, it feels like sometimes. And that's it feels like a lot of drives for New England get derailed because of it, and it feels like a lot of moments for New England kind of go astray because of that. Yeah, uh, and it's not like those three plays are like Mahomes-type plays, throwing the ball 300 yards down the field type of things. Uh, you know, the – I mean, it was just a disaster. Like, I just think about this. The We talked about – you know, I said, hey, I think New England has kind of a good matchup here. Could run the ball well in this one. Could, you know, maybe take advantage of, you know, the lack of secondary receivers for Dallas. Ramondre Stevenson, you know, had 2.1 yards per carry on 14 carries. Uh, Ziggy Elliott, 16 yards on six carries, uh, and that was it. Uh, you know, uh, Jones was the only other rusher in that one, Mac Jones. Uh, what about the sec- lack of secondary receivers for Dallas? Jake Ferguson, Michael Gallup, and Jalen Tolbert, all over 50 yards in this game. Uh, you know, like CeeDee Lamb didn't even really go off. He didn't have a big play, but it was like the other guys were coming through. And I know there was injuries. I get it, but like, at this point, like if if you can't be competitive in this game, like what good team are you going to be competitive against? I mean, I guess they've been competitive in other games, but like I don't know. Like it just it just it, it, it what a mess. 
Yeah. I mean, it does feel like a lot of the injuries have started to take their toll, but everybody has injuries. You know, New mm-hmm. England's no different than that. And the whole point of New England's shtick, their whole deal is that they don't, you know, attract a lot of superstar talent because they want to build out roster depth. And that roster mm-hmm. depth got crushed in this game. So, yeah. you know, what is the point of that roster depth then if they're going to lose 38 to 3? So it was bad. Um, I still kind of feel the same way I felt last week that. I, I still think Bill Belichick is coaching a lot of games not to lose rather than to win. I don't think we have the quarterback play that he trusts, and I don't think that this quarterback play is going to last in a league that, you know, in a in a division that we're probably going to have to play Tua and Josh Allen for the next 10 years. You know, this isn't going to cut it. This isn't going to cut it, and, you know, that's why that's the biggest reason we can move on, and I don't even think this is all a Mac Jones problem. Uh, we have uh, a chat uh, comment. W is in the chat for Bailey the Zapper to start. You know, I asked you, is it is it Zapper time? Uh, is it time to go with Bailey Zappy? Uh, you said it's time to scout a new quarterback, which I kind of I think I agree. At this, at this point, if we're talking between Zappy or Jones, aren't we rearranging seats on the Titanic here? Yes. Yeah. I mean, I I think Zappy is a fine backup quarterback. But like, I don't think I don't think there's any I don't think there's any world that Bailey Zappi becomes an NFL starter. I just don't. You know, I've seen the guy play. I think he he you know, that's just kind of how you feel. It doesn't feel any different than Mac Jones when I watch. Um, so yeah, I I would completely look for a new starter. You know, I'm gonna watch a lot of Michael Penix highlights. But you know, maybe with uh, you know Judon out and Christian Gonzalez out, maybe it's time to think a little bigger. Maybe think Caleb Williams. I'm about to say, I mean, it's, it's, I don't know. I uh, might be having a bit better, uh, might, ha- might end up having a better season than you would, uh, or I guess, you know, a worse season than we thought was possible heading into this. I don't know. The Patriots are going to, they're going to win some games. They're going to find ways. They're not a disastrous team, but this is, I mean, this is a big disappointment, Kyle, right? From where we were starting the year, thinking they could be sort of a fringe playoff team. Uh, yeah. I mean, there's no way around it. I mean, like at the same time, They've opened the season with the, you know, their three losses are still to the Cowboys, Dolphins, and Eagles. Yeah. Which we're probably still considering those three teams among the top six in the NFL, at least. So, like, it's not like that they're, you know, it's not like they're getting beat down by, like, mid-tier teams. They're they're playing really good teams. It's a tough schedule. But we knew it was a tough schedule before the season. So, you know, if you told me the Patriots were 1-3 and three to start the season before the year started... I wouldn't have been shocked. It's just losing like this is never fun. Yeah, it's the way they've done it. Play the Saints next week. That's a real uh, intriguing game, I think. Um, You know what? I'm going to do something a bit unusual here, Kyle. Let's go third game. I'm already going to go Thursday night game because I think this was a a huge game as it's a Detroit Lions division now, Kyle. Uh, The Packers are just another team. This is uh, the NFC North is run by Detroit at this point. The Lions... Looks like they were about to dominate. Uh, Green Bay did get back into it a little bit towards the end. Uh, a hilarious Quay Walker penalty to ice the game for Detroit, essentially, uh, was fun. But, uh, yeah, the Ly- how about the Lions here, Kyle? How about the Lions indeed? And I, I guess, you know, just saying that, I do feel bad for Quay Walker because I actually think he had a good game. Um, yeah, he's been good this was, year. Yeah, it was just a really funny penalty. Um mm-hmm. Not quite as bad as pushing a trainer, but it was funny. Um, <laughs> right. and so, like, it might be worse. Yeah. Given the situation, and like, 
I can see how you could push a trainer like in like a, the heat of the moment. This was almost like a pre, like, he was like four yards off the line of, uh, away from the line of scrimmage. Like it wasn't even close. Yeah. Not to mention, like, it was a two-score game either way. Like, you wanted them to get three points instead of seven, you know? Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, no, I'm, yeah, it, it, <laughs> well, in a weird, weird way, it almost was like a hundred, or like a 200 IQ play, where then the, the Packers went for it on fourth down, which almost made it like, in a way, he could have saved three points by doing it, but did not, then they, you know, the, or I said Packers, the Lions went for the fourth down, uh, but then the Lions got it, so it ended up not being a great play. Yeah, so... Oh, well, I mean, he did play well, but I mean, back to the Lions, because the story of this game is Detroit, which obviously started up 27-3 at the half. They looked dominant. I think they took their foot off the gas. Packers played well in the second half to make this a little more interesting. Um, Detroit's winning games with defense. You know, you could probably point to their defense being better, their offense, in all three of their wins this season, Um, which, you know, not that Atlanta and Green Bay are anything to write home about offensively, but if this team is winning games defensively, that's a big deal because, you know, I think whatever expectations we had for the Lions, I, you know, I did pick them to win the North, but I wasn't, you know, I said like 11 wins, 10 wins. If mm-hmm. this team has this defense ready to go and can win games this way, I mean, I, I'm still not putting them in the tier with like San Francisco, um, maybe the best version of Philadelphia or Dallas, but they're a little closer to that than we thought, right? Like you probably have to level up your expectations a little bit. 100%. Uh, this has been a, uh, you know, I think we were both. I, I certainly was a little bit like, let's let's hold off on the Lions. I think I that day made a tier list and I put them in like the B tier instead of the A tier, where I think a lot of Lions fans felt like they belong. They're in A tier now. Okay, that that take aged poorly. Like eight hours later, it is what it is. Uh, yeah, this defense been awesome. Uh, and you know, the the young player. I mean, God help Aiden Hutchinson is just he's just he's turning into one of the elite players in the league. I mean, that's just what he is right now. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, and. There's so many good young. This secondary is clicking right away. Uh, the offense wasn't spectacular or anything, but didn't have to. It was it was good enough. It was still good in this one. I thought you know the running game worked really uh, well. It was weird. Uh, David Montgomery had 121 yards and three touchdowns, but he only had 3.8 yards per carry. Uh, but I still thought he played well on this one. Uh, Gibbs still wasn't maybe uh, doing a lot, but I mean, you know, listen, huge win for the Detroit Lions. Do you have anything else you want to add about them, or do you want to go to Green Bay? Uh, no, I'm with you. I mean, though, I guess I didn't see anything about Brian Branch after the game. I haven't checked on it. Hopefully he's back healthy because I think he's been a big player for that secondary too. Um, I think all of that's been really phenomenal. Like you said, um, the, the combination, you know, not only was Hutchinson dominant, I mean, he has been dominant the whole season, but like, you know, another guy from the, a couple drafts ago, I think was Aleem McNeil. I think he, he had a really nice game too and made some impact plays. So you look at that group on the defensive line. You look at an expensive secondary that's coming together, like you said, very quickly and, you know, doing a good job. And you couple that with what this offense was and what it, you know, has been in spurts this season. I mean, all the pieces are there. I guess the question is, can um, can Jared Goff be the one to lead him? Can Jared Goff be the guy? Um, you know, I don't know if that's going to be the case. Uh, we can't really answer that question until it's playoff time. But for the most part, he's been pretty good this year. And he was pretty good last year, too. So, you know, we'll see what happens. Yeah. Hey, you can't win the Super Bowl here in uh, October, but you can put yourself in position to do so. And that's what Detroit is doing. The Green Bay Packers, Kyle, say something about Jordan Love. You can't also say about Jameis Winston. <laughs> uh 
can't also say about Jameis Winston. Yeah. I do think Jordan Love has an interesting level of extend the playability that is, you know, unique. Hey, Winston was good at good at that. Did it weirdly, but he did it. Yeah, he was fine. Uh, I do think there are some elements of that game that are pretty interesting to watch with him because he does find a really nice, good way to buy time and make some throws late, late in, uh, you know, late after a you know after a while, being able to avoid the pass rush sort of sure. situations. Um, but I'm still think it's largely just kind of happening in small spurts. Like you, you could pull hot. You could. I'm trying to think of the best way to put it. Right now, he feels like the Jamal Crawford of the NFL. And I don't know, Jamal Crawford, obviously the shooting guard for the NBA. I feel like you could put together a highlight clip of Jamal Crawford that looks like the best player in the league. (laughs) And I also think you could make a highlight clip of Jordan Love that makes him look like one of the best quarterbacks in the league. But I also think you could like watch the full game and feel a lot different about him than what he actually is. Yeah, I I completely. It's just he's so he's up and down, which like is kind of to be expected by a young player. But it's just like you know, I don't know. I'm not I'm not feeling the love just quite yet. I'm I'm still feeling like he's to me just a complete project. Kind of, I don't know. He just feels like the guy who was in college. Like he'll make some really good plays. He'll make some not great plays, and he's just kind of an inconsistent player. Yeah, he did get Christian Watson back this week. They didn't get to use him a whole lot. I, it seems like he still maybe isn't a hundred percent, but. You know, I I think there there are interesting moments of his game that I'm intrigued by, but like you said, there's still a lot of bad in his game too. Although I just looked at the schedule, playing the Raiders and Broncos next two weeks, so he uh, I take the take it back. He's actually great. That's gonna that, now that takes gonna age well for next two weeks. Yeah, he's gonna have he's gonna have some moments. That's for sure. Yeah, uh, let's move on. Why don't we? Let's go to um. Well, we had a couple of overtime games. Let's knock those out. How about Washington playing Philadelphia tough? This game goes to overtime because uh, Ron Rivera elects to not go for two, takes the extra point in which the Philadelphia Eagles then win in overtime. Brian Robinson had some really impressive runs, despite what the stats sheet might tell you. Uh, you know, Howell was able to make some plays in this one, and I thought Hurts definitely made those classic Jalen Hurts plays. And really, I guess I should say A.J. Brown made those classic A.J. Brown plays. Uh, mm-hmm. It wasn't pretty, but at the end of the day, you know, uh, Eagles haven't been perfect, but their record is 4-0 here. One of just two teams left who are 4-0. Yeah. It's one of those things, again, where, like, you just kind of feel like that things haven't quite clicked right, but you can't complain because they're undefeated through four games. Mm-hmm. And there are teams who wouldn't be undefeated through this spot, even with their schedule and all that. And, um, you know, I think the biggest thing in the last two weeks has been, like you said, A.J. Brown. The last two weeks he has uh, 18 catches, uh, over 300 yards, and two touchdowns. So that, that'll that'll help a lot, right? And uh, he's done it against good defenses, too, against Tampa and Washington. So he's getting going. They need some of these other guys to get going, though. I know Smith has had some good days. Dallas Goddard has kind of been, like, non-existent basically to start this season it's been kind of bizarre like he feels like he's just not involved in things um you know would love to see him get some more action i think i thought hurts you know like you said he kind of came alive in the second half but even then i don't think his stat line you know i don't even know if he was as good as what his stat line said i thought he kind of came alive but he had some bad moments in this first half too where they were trailing at one point so you know it's not perfect like you said it's not pretty but they're undefeated and they're still kind of in their same tier. So I can't complain about the Eagles so far. 
Yeah, and as for Washington, I mean, this is a quality loss here. I, you know, uh, mm-hmm. we can get into fourth down decision making or to, to go for two decision making in just a second. But you know, a bit of an easy stretch coming up these next three weeks. Plays Chicago, Atlanta, and the Giants. It's not out of the question to go three and zero in that stretch. At least two and one feels like I've expected to go two and one in that stretch. So, uh, you know, the, they're shaping up to be at least in the hunt uh, late in the season here. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we we kind of said preseason that we don't know who it's going to be, um, but that seven spot certainly feels up for grabs in the NFC, you know, and I still kind of feel the same way where even if you chop, even if you pencil in the Cowboys and the Seahawks for playoff spots, that seven spot still kind of feels up for grabs. I think the Rams have shown flashes of what they could be in that spot. I think the commanders have shown what they could be in that spot. I mean, you know, there still have been some Packer moments that are interesting. So there, there's going to be an interesting race for that seven seed that I think a few teams could talk themselves into. Yeah, completely agree. Um, any final thoughts or want to move on? Oh, no, we got to talk about the uh, go for two. You know, I, Ron Rivera, got to go for two there, right? You're the underdogs. You're in Philadelphia. Uh, people always bring this up as if it's an analytics decision. It's really not. Analytics basically say it's a toss-up, so you just make, make make it based off of the you know the game situation. I just feel like you know uh, I I trust. I feel like I have a, there's a better chance of Sam Howell converting one offensive play, given how the offenses were playing in this game, than you know just a complete a clean slate in overtime. Yeah, not to mention like you didn't. You got one stop on what four drives for the five drives for the Eagles in the second half, so they scored on four of their five possessions. Kind of feels like you you, I uh, you know as a coach you don't want to say you don't trust your defense in that spot, but it probably feels like you shouldn't trust your defense in that spot, right? Like mm-hmm. I think that they played a good first half. I think that they gave themselves a chance to win, but in the second half I think they were definitely the Eagles kind of had their number a little bit and got things rolling and. Um, yeah, I think that that was kind of unfortunate because I do feel like that they had a chance to get that win there at the end, uh, and it would have been would have been a big thing. Yeah, so I mean, I, I would have gone for two as well. Is there a more misleading moniker than Riverboat Ron? Got to be up there with like Matty Ice, who would always struggle in the big moments. You know, like uh, it's it, it just uh, it's not it's I it, it's it's stuck in a pre-analytics uh, world, and he's definitely not a analytically inclined head coach. Um, yeah, yeah, it was bad. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it was basically that one year, wasn't it? And wasn't yeah. there like something that like they, they really couldn't kick the ball all that often? I can't remember now. It's a long I, time I believe ago. it was, it was the year that the Panthers went 11 straight weeks without a win and still made the playoffs. Uh, one day made the uh, playoffs of a losing record. The, or basically the season was such a mess. Ron Rivera said, let's just start going for it all the time. And then it worked. And then he became Riverboat Ron. It was like just like yeah. a whim, basically. Yeah. So, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's definitely not a uh, – it definitely shouldn't be his moniker, I agree. Yeah, yeah. Matty Ice is more of a frat boy name. Yeah, I, I know it's based off of the, the beer. I, I get it. I'm just, just saying. It's still an ironic uh, ironic name. Let's move on. You know, I, I should have talked about this one earlier. How does this happen? The Denver Broncos somehow went – this wasn't supposed to happen. The Bears – Justin Fields, he's, he's back enough – Okay, here we go. Bears are ready to, you know, w- win a game. Fields throws four touchdowns, has nearly 10 yards per attempt. All right, feel good about this. How did they do this? How they got outscored 17 nothing in the fourth quarter. Kyle, how? 
<laughs> this this franchise is going through hell right now. They're just absolutely going through it. They had their best offensive performance in like three years, and they lost thirty-one to twenty-eight. Um, yeah, I mean it was an embarrassing second half performance. They got you know beat by a team that they probably should have beat, and it was a it was it was a really rough game. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Um, it it was rough. I didn't like it at all. I didn't like the fourth down decision. I mean, we could. If you want to get into that again, we can. But, um, you know, Justin Fields for 90% of this game had a phenomenal game. And then for the last 10% kind of fell apart a little bit. But this is definitely not on Justin Fields. Uh, I thought he did play well today. Um, it's, you know, on the the Bears kind of just self-destructing again. I mean, so let's let, let me ask you this. True or false? The Lions win on Thursday – will be the biggest win for the Bears this season. Um yeah, I think so. I think that unless <laughs> I guess unless the Packers have a bigger loss later in the season. That's what I'll hold out for. Or another win that gets them the number 1 overall pick. Like somebody yeah. else winning that gets them the number 1 overall pick. Those are probably oh. the two that would top it. But yeah, I mean, um yeah, it was just it was so bizarre the team kind of just like shut down, which I don't know, I, it was bizarre. Talk, what do you think? What what do you think happened here? I mean, we can't deny that Fields had a fumble that was just a dumb play that gave the Broncos let the Broncos tie the game. Like, I mean, I'm, Fields made a lot of good throws in this. He also had a lot of open receive. Like, there still is like that little, you know, I made the Carson Wentz comparison uh, pre-draft, and I'm sorry, but I nailed it. Like, this is, he's Carson Wentz. When guys are open, he's going to look awesome. And then when the second he's in an issue, I mean, he tried to throw the football. He started to throw motion like as he's getting sacked, basically throws it backwards and let Denver tie it up. Yeah. Like he was good. <laughs> he was object. This was objectively a good Justin Fields performance, but like we can't pretend like that didn't exist also. Yeah. Yeah. Especially when it, you know, flipped the game. So, I mean, I, I agree with you. So, I mean, it, it was tough obviously, but, um, you know, it, it, it is also hard to uh, kind of commentate on it when he does play well. But, I mean, the other part of this is, too, like, this this Denver secondary is a hot piece of garbage, man. Like, this defense that we had expectations for. Like, we've seen defenses kind of perform below expectations. Have we ever expected more of a defense that, like, has fell so short of expectations? This might be the worst defense in football. And we thought, we all kind of thought it was going to be good this season. And it's yeah, I, defense. I can't think of a scenario like this or defense that like we legitimately were like, well, we know Denver's defense is at least going to be good this year. And it's not just, I mean, I guess you could look like, I don't know, uh, the Dolphins last year had a similar scenario where their defense, it wasn't to this extent, but like we thought yeah. that that would be good uh, and ended up being bad. It's like, it's not unprecedented. Defense is weird. I think, I think what we learn every year is like defensive coaching really matters. And maybe, mm-hmm. you know, Sean Payton deserves a lot of credit for his, you know, offensive prowess. Uh, definitely has really made one good defensive hire in his life, which was the Dennis Allen hire, which was nailed it. But like, you know, <laughs> uh, other than that, like has really struggled. Yeah. And I mean, I know the, the Broncos were missing some guys, but at the same time, like, have you watched this? Have you, have you watched this, Um, you know, bears offense up until this week? Like there's just no excuse for this. Not to mention you gave up 70 points the week before. Like this was almost worse than giving up 70 points last week. And that but you they know, won. They did win. So you got to feel good. Broncos, you got your win. You're back. Um, so, yeah, I mean, re- really rough game, I think, overall. But, um, you know, 
did did bring some entertainment, that's for sure. So maybe if people did watch this, good for them. I, I told you it's going to be an interesting game. I, I can't believe you find this game boring. No, I mean, the game was exciting. I but just, it was going to be exciting. Something I'm, dumb I'm was dis- going to happen. I'm disgusted by both of these teams. You know, They disgust me. Are you agree- starting to agree with my take that Russell Wilson does not suck? No, he doesn't. He played well mm-hmm. again. He this this Denver offense has actually been okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, I guess credit to him for that. So, um, do I think he's a two hundred and forty million dollar quarterback? Well, no, sure. But mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, he he he's had good weeks here the last few weeks. Um, it's kind of you know it's kind of crazy that they're one and three honestly because they had two games that they probably should have won. <laughs> Yeah, well, big win for Denver. Not not dead yet. Maybe they still are. But uh, at least for now, something to celebrate. Bears are so dead. Uh, what a mess. Um, how about the Buffalo Bills putting up 48 mm-hmm. on Miami? Uh, you know, Miami uh, flying high after a 70-point offensive performance. This game was not that. Uh, you know, Bills, only real loss they had was kind of a big one. Uh, Tredavis White getting hurt. That doesn't help. But, uh, you know, Offense was amazing. This one of those, like, first off, we always say this. When Josh Allen is on, look out. Like, when Josh Allen is on, you're just losing the football game, basically. That's what happened to Miami in this one. But also, the Bills' defense certainly held their own against a really good uh, Miami Dolphins offense, and they're able to go, you know, win this one by by 28 points. Yeah, and not only was Josh Allen on, like, this was probably his best game in, like, well over a year. Although he did kill Miami last year too, um, in a couple instances, but uh, I, I do think this was one of his best games in like a year. Like I'm trying to think. Like I think he had a Tennessee game that he kind of went off last year, but outside of that, like this this was an incredible game for him, an incredible game for Stephon Diggs, and you know, uh, you know, defensive coaching does matter, but it does it does turn out that Vic Fangio cannot fix everything too. <laughs> you know, right. I think, mm-hmm. you know, the the what we had expectations for a bounce back performance for the Miami uh, secondary, maybe, maybe it's not ready to bounce back all the way. And it does still need, you know, it will be interesting to see if Jalen Ramsey can get healthy and, you know, help this team this year, because I think that'll help a lot. But, you know, I'm not sure I'm ready to say the Bills are the class of the AFC or any, anything, but in the battle of these two teams, they drew first blood and that was a big win. Yeah, and, you know, for the division, which it kind of feels like, I mean, let's be honest, it's a two-horse race here. It's the Bills and Dolphins competing for the division. Sorry, Kyle, Uh, but I I think you're probably with me uh, on that one. And it's like the, you know, this is a huge, It's if you can get a sweep, that's probably going to win you the division. And now, you know, Miami, the best they can do is tie. Uh, It's it's a huge win. And, you know, it's just one of those things where it's like, we kind of set up the Chiefs. I feel like in the preseason, I'm like there's these issues, but like, eh, it's Mahomes, it's Andy Reid. They're going to figure out the issues. Don't worry about it. So, you know, we kind of said it with the Bills too, but we weren't as strong about it, but we probably should. Like, it's Josh Allen, it's Sean McDermott. There are some issues, but they're going to figure it out. And so far, they have. Yeah. They certainly have figured it out. And I think a lot of it too is like, like, obviously, you know, he's, he, he did get hurt today, like you were saying, but Trey White bouncing back was a big part of them figuring it out. Um, feels like Matt Milano has gone up a level this year, which is mm-hmm. kind of crazy because he was really good before. Um, it feels like, you know, four weeks in, he's been, you know, just fantastic, I thought, too. So, I mean, it feels like all those guys have kind of gone up a level that needed to, and some of the younger players have gotten better. So they've been able to kind of work this thing out defensively, and this coverage unit is really good again. 
um, mm-hmm. as at least it has been. So, you know, uh, a full credit to them, and it was a big win for them, and they dominated. I mean, there's nothing else to say. This was an ass-kicking um, in an impressive way against a team that has kind of been dominating everybody to start the year. So, um, you know, you can't complain about anything that the Bills did. Yeah. I mean, the only thing that sucks is that Trudy was white. I mean, that that's what, mm-hmm. like, you don't want, if that's a serious injury, like, that's he was finally playing good football again, and now he's, you know, he's banged up. Although they did play well without him last year. Uh, and kind of played worse once he came in, and they asked him to do too much right away. So we'll see how that goes. But um, yeah, huge win for Buffalo. Let's move on. Let's oh, I was going to say one thing. Oh, go ahead. Was, was this the first miss of Mike McDaniel's career? Uh, in what way? I I don't know. You know, we had been talking about how this Bills team is covering a lot better, and it felt it felt like they were really aggressive in the passing game. You know, it felt like they abandoned the run pretty quickly. And then kind of came back to it late, I think, as someone said in the chat. And I don't know. It just kind of felt like Miami, despite, I think, having moments of playing really well and still being a really good team, it just kind of felt like that they were kind of a step slow as far as the coaching and the matchup and the schemes here. Um, And I still think McDaniel is fantastic, and he's one of the best coaches in the league. It just felt like this game was a mess. It's possible. It's also, I think it's, it should be said, you know, I've kind of been on this. I feel like Sean McDermott's an underrated coach. He's really good. Mm-hmm. And he does this to people all the time. Yeah, that's fair. Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, it's something to keep an eye out for, uh, I suppose. So let's move on. Let's go to, let's talk about the NFC South. Why don't we? Uh, apologies to my dad for talking about Buccaneers so late into the show. Cause I know he just listens until, uh, uh, you know, we talk about the Buccaneers and then he turns off the podcast, but uh, the Buccaneers, Beat the Saints. We're we're back. Uh, the highlight of this for me was Jameis Winston came in uh, in relief at the end of the game through one pass and it was intercepted. I mean that's just you know Chef's kiss. Uh, incredible stop. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, of, of course that would happen. Yeah, that was pretty good. It's so funny that it took Brady so long to beat the Saints and then Baker does it in his first try. Um, <laughs> hey, Todd Bowles, uh, 3-0 now as a head coach against New Orleans. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the, it, this was a really good performance and they dominated. And, I mean, there's really not much else behind it because, because, like I said, they they look great. Baker had another really good game. His third out of four, three out of four games, he's played well. And you can't even say this is a, you know, a couple of the defenses he played to start the year, I thought were a little suspect. The Saints defense has played well this year and he, he was aggressive against them and he threw the ball downfield and he went after them. Um, and they won a lot of battles. And, you know, the only unfortunate thing is Mike Evans getting, you know, hurt here because, uh, you know, Marshawn Lattimore is just allowed to molest him the whole game. So, uh, yeah, I mean, unfortunate that Evans goes down, but it was a really good performance from the offense and an even better performance for the defense. Well, the thing is, he's not even allowed to. Like, he gets called for it, but he just does it because it doesn't count his stats on the stat sheet, and that's all he cares about. Yeah, that's probably true. Um, <laughs> like it's, the the one, the first time he was left one on one, just immediately tackles Mike Evans uh, to give up the uh, gives up the first down. But it's like, hey, uh, that way Evans' numbers aren't as good. Yeah, and the thing is too is like you know you said it with the Packers and Lions that that was a huge game even in Week Four. This mm-hmm. is a huge game. You know, these two teams have looked like the best two teams in the NFC South. And, you know, while there isn't like the the long held history of the Packers kind of owning the Lions that play a huge part in this, you know, these two teams are battling for it. And Tampa drew first blood in a very convincing fashion. Like the Saints feel like like you said with the uh, like you said with them, the the Saints feel like just another team right now compared to the Bucs. Yeah, I mean. 
I still think the Saints have a chance. Two guys I want to shout out. First, Antoine Winfield. It's really, I mean, he's taken his game up another level. Kind of similar to Matt mm-hmm. Milano, who's like always been a good player. I mean, he was all he. I could. I can't believe he only had six tackles in this game because it felt like he was like the only. He, he was making every play. Uh, he had some. He's had. He's had splash plays every game. It feels like he's had multiple. You know, fumbles. He had a forced fumble, and it's a huge forced fumble because there was a sequence. Uh, at the end of the second quarter, Baker Mayfield's one big mistake threw an interception in the red zone. Uh, it was called down to one, could have been a touchback, ends up getting rolled down to one, uh, kind of a break for Tampa Bay. And Winfield then forces the fumble right away. That results in Tampa Bay going up 14 to three instead of just seven to three. Uh, so, you know, give him a lot of credit. And Baker Mayfield, I mean, he's just making plays. Third downs, so he's just finding ways to get the ball down the field, get, you know, get those conversions, you know, with decent quarterback play i don't know this game is nowhere near the lopsided score as it would have been with just decent quarterback play he was really good in this one yeah yeah he was really good um there's no other way to put it and you know the you know i think one of the things you said was interesting you know not to say like baker's better than brady because he's obviously not Mm -hmm. but you know brady wasn't always the kind of guy, like you said last week, that was willing to throw jump balls, that he always just wanted to mm-hmm. hit the right guy. He is definitely not afraid to just throw the ball to Evans and Godwin and say, make something happen. And, you know, I don't think either's really the wrong way to play. Um, and obviously there's more risk with the way Baker plays, but at the same time, you know, you're letting you're letting your best two players on offense do best two player stuff. And that's why they've been able to benefit from it from so much of the start of the season. And uh, can't complain about it at all so far. Yeah, one hundred percent. It's good. It's one of those things where it's, I would take Tom Brady over Baker Mayfield. Obviously, there's just some nice things that uh, Baker Mayfield adds to the game, including the run. The so Saints usually they love their cover two man against Tampa Bay. Uh, you know, make sure they can put safeties over Goblin and Evans. But then Baker got some nice runs in this one. Like he had some key. I know that only thirty one rushing yards, but it felt like you know every key third down he was running the ball, getting a first down. The other quarterback. Derek Carr should not have been in this game. Uh, he just it, it reminded me of the play, playoff game with Drew Brees uh, against the Buccaneers, where it was just like they just knew he couldn't throw the football down the field. I mean, you know, uh, someone brought up in the chat uh, Alvin Kamara, thirteen receptions for thirty-three yards. Like that's uh, that's the stat line of a team that does not. And the offensive line played pretty well on this one for New Orleans. It wasn't like, amazing, but like, it wasn't like they just had no time to throw the football. Like it was a it was a fine blocked game in terms of the passing game uh you know their car i mean 37 attempts 127 yards like if that's the kind of performance you're getting out of an 80 percent healthy Derek Carr, then you bench him until he's 100 healthy uh i would agree with that <laughs> yeah i mean it wasn't great um you know uh he didn't he didn't just hit the gabbard zone he blew right through that gabbard zone yeah. man 3.4 yards per carry is something pretty special that's bad um, that's, for a running back. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think you even said per carry, just naturally. Oh, uh, yeah. Th- yeah, <laughs> per attempt, that's right. So, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, that's bad. And, you know, this Saints team has been weird offensively. Obviously, you know, Carr being hurt in this one is not ideal. But, like, you know, you keep looking at the talent of the Saints offense and just, like, and you look at some of the production, you think, oh, this guy's pretty good. You know, this guy's pretty good. Um, but they don't get points. And, you know, you could probably point this one to just Carr being hurt and obviously that being a massive disadvantage. But this has been something the entire year with the Saints where they're not getting touchdowns and they're not getting points. And that's kind of what's derailed them in two of these losses is they're not converting a lot that they should. Um, 
And I think it's kind of a concern. They got to be able to put, you know, it, you can have all these pieces on offense and look as good as you want. If you don't score points, it doesn't matter. Yeah, uh, completely agree with with everything you just said. Um, I think I had another point, but I can't remember what it was. So uh, why don't we just why don't we just move on? Let's go to another game. Let's go. Well, this was. You know, let's go to the over, other overtime. Why don't we? As I locked up the Rams, wasn't even thinking about it. All right, nailed my lock. We're good. Uh, you know, always important to get the, the locks right during the pick'em show. All of a sudden, Indianapolis uh, comes back from down twenty-three to nothing to tie this football game uh, forces overtime where they would eventually lose. The Rams still find a way to pull out this victory, but you know, several ways to look at it. It was a classic Matt Stafford game. First off, where like first half puts up great numbers, helps out the stats. Second half digs a hole for himself to then be able to get out of. And then he gets out of the hole and wins the game uh, in overtime. Like if this isn't Matt Stafford to a T, I don't know what is. Yeah. That was a really impressive last drive, the overtime drive. Yeah. Like, uh-huh. like he, he just has those moments in him and, uh, you know, stepped up big in this one and got the win somehow. And like you said, it wasn't pretty for the Rams for 60 minutes, but they managed to get it done. And, uh, you know, Stafford definitely had some mistakes. And, you know, I think, you know, we'll talk about him in a second. Anthony Richardson had some mistakes, um, but they also had some really great highlights. And um, one of those highlights for the Rams continues to be uh, Pukendakua. Yeah. Who is just the best wide receiver of all time. You know? Right. He's like Jerry Rice, Justin Jefferson, and Terrell Owens put together at this point. <laughs> I mean, this guy's incredible. I mean, he's just going to, you know, he gets off the bus and gets 150 receiving yards a game. I mean, this is impossible to stop. So, I mean, this is this is the best player ever. He's on pace for over 2,000 yards, Kyle. <laughs> That'd be so funny if he broke, like, the receiving record in his first year. <laughs> Yeah, he's at 200 yards all, or, or excuse me, at 500 yards already through just four games into the season. It's unbelievable. I, 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 I mean, he's good. Like, it's not like he's just like the guy who's getting schemed open. Like, he's he's winning. Like, there's like one on ones that he's winning on the outside. Like, he's he's just straight up winning. I mean, when Cooper Cup gets back, I wonder if that'll take some targets away. Might go the other way though. I mean, I'm really excited to see what this Rams uh, offense can do once Cup gets back. If that ever happens. Yeah, I mean, those two together would be really fun. Um, especially because it feels like they're both pretty, you know, multi-positional. It feels like they could both kind of play inside, outside, do some, you know, have a big, pretty massive route tree. So it feels like you could be pretty creative with both guys. Um, obviously, you don't want Cup to, uh, you know, take away the shine from the best football player of all time. But, you know, it's always good to have two good players out there. So, um, um, yeah, I mean. But Cooper is... Cup's also the best receiver in football, too, uh, as you said. So it works out uh, best receiver of all time and the best receiver in football. To be fair, that was justified when he was healthy. Uh, <laughs> Even then, it was a bit of a hot take. But, you know, anyways, go ahead. Uh, you know, it could be fun. I think it's going to be really fun. But even then, like, even besides that, like, this Rams seems pretty good even without Cooper Cup. So, you know, we keep saying let's wait for Cooper Cup to see the full extent of this offense. It's pretty good without him, too. And this is this could be a fun moment for this Rams team that is just this – this kind of interesting and talented and young and fun team to watch. Yeah, I, I like the uh, comment of Cup basically got the Drew Bledsoe treatment. Yeah, very similar to Bledsoe to Brady, uh, Cooper Cup to uh, Puka Nakua. Um, I think it would help Puka Nakua if his name was easier to pronounce. If he was like uh, Rob Smith, uh, we'd be going crazy. Well, we had a Rob Smith in the NFL. Um, uh, you know, well, just Bill Smith. There's probably yeah, every, every Smith's been an NFL player, probably. It's really not that hard to pronounce. 
As long as it's I'm not, but it's just, it's just yeah. a unique name. And I think like, when you read it, you're like, am I pronouncing that right? I'm just going to talk about uh, Kyron Williams instead. Yeah, that's fair. Um, but no, I mean, he's been great. And it's a, um, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, there's not much you can say about that Rams offense. I think that they're good. And the Rams defense has shown up well. And, uh, you know, I think, I think both of these teams are kind of like, both of these teams have exceeded my expectations, despite yeah. both being two and two. I think that they mm-hmm. both are not only like pretty good teams, I think they're both pretty entertaining too. So, yeah. you know, this this was a fun game between these two sides. Yeah, we have to talk about Anthony Richardson, who like, he still misses throws. Like, there still are those mistakes. I mean, his, his stat line was 11 for 25, for 25 yeah. but he had 200 yards and two touchdowns and no picks. It's like, you'll, you'll take the yardage totals for, you know, 25 attempts. It's just weird how like only 11 of them were completions uh, also had 56 yards rushing. So like you'll totally take the, uh, you know, he's, he's one of those unique players. Like you don't judge him the same way you judge Matt Stafford. Like he's just a unique player, but Hey, it's, it's working all right so far uh, through four weeks. Although he hasn't played all those uh, didn't get injured this week. So that's a positive. That is a positive. Yeah. I mean, he's definitely, you know, he has the makings of like the, you know, I already made it a Jamal Crawford reference, but he feels like a high-volume NBA scorer where, you know, the, the advanced stats are not going to love Anthony Richardson. The analytics are not going to love Anthony Richardson. But there is definitely an impact to having a guy who just kind of puts the fear of God in you and can have, you know, the most amazing play of the day on any moment. Yeah. Let's move on, why don't we? Um, Someone who's not putting the fear of God in anybody right now is Joe Burrow as the Cincinnati <laughs> Bengals Another disappointing, I mean, maybe probably the most disappointing loss of the season. You know, week one, okay, well, no big deal. You, you know, weather, all that stuff. Week two, okay, it's Baltimore. They're a good team. Hey, you win week three, didn't look as promising, but you got the win. This was rough. I mean, everything went wrong. The offensive line can't block for Cincinnati. Guys aren't getting open when this is supposed to be an elite receiving core. Only Jamar Chase is showing up here. I mean, T. Higgins is not having a good year. Tyler Boyd isn't doing a lot. Uh, they don't really have, I don't, and Tanner Hudson's like getting like legitimate snaps here in big spots, which is probably not ideal for Cincinnati. Joe Burrow's missing throws. Joe Burrow's missing reads. I mean, you know, Tennessee's defense is good. I think we saw this week that last week was kind of an anomaly for them, but what a mess so far. <sighs> yeah. I mean, this has definitely been, the, I would say, you know, is Joe Burrow hurt? Is he not? I mean, he probably is still hurt more than, you know, they're letting on, but, you know, there's no way around it. This is the most disappointing team to start the season, right? I mean, they put up three oh, points yeah. in two of their first four games of the year. Uh-huh. You know, for a team that had, you know, an MVP candidate quarterback and one of the best receivers in football and, you know, all of these pieces in place, this is this has been disappointing. This has been unfortunate to watch. And, um, you know, you, you've got to start hitting the panic button at some point. And I think it's now. Like, even, even if Joe Burrow was unhealthy even if it's hurt and that's the reason why he's not playing well at what point do you have to say like how do we try and get better quarterback play because you might lose a whole season if he's going to play this entire season like this unhealthy yeah i mean it 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 is true it's it's similar to Derek carr thing and i have to say though i don't think this is all on burrow like i really Mm -hmm. i didn't think that he was a disaster out there i thought that there was a lot of other issues uh negan in the chat says joe cole cool turned to joe poo do you think uh, Joe Poo? Do you think that nickname is gonna uh, stick, Kyle? Uh, I don't think it'll stick too much, but that was good. Um, yeah, I mean, this I like team it. Came... I think uh, I could see people, you know, like Steelers fans getting shirts saying Joe Poo. Yeah, 
this this team can't get the ball down downfield anymore. You know, get the ball even over the middle anymore. I mean, they can't do anything. Yeah. I mean, Joe Burrow for the season averages 4.7 yards per attempt. And this this team like made its living off of explosive plays the last couple yeah. of seasons. You know, that was what made it special. I think they have like three plays, three or four plays over 20 yards in the passing game this season. And they can't really run the ball anymore either. So, yeah, I mean, it, it hasn't been a, um, you know, they, they have four big plays this season through four games. And their quarterback averages less than five yards per attempt. They can't get any explosives. And like I said, this that was what made this team successful. Yeah. Um, and that was what made, you know, Burrow successful is making those big plays. And if they can't get that, I don't know how they win. Well, right now they're not. And you're absolutely right. They have to they have to get those big plays. And they play Arizona next week. Feels like it could be a get right game, right? I mean, Arizona's offense has been scrappy. We'll get into that, but their defense is not. And it feels like if, if they struggle next week, I mean, it's almost like, you know, uh, just call it at this point for since. But like, yeah, what it is, I mean, because we've seen it happen where teams that have high expectations, you know, crumble. I mean, so Tampa Bay last year is a great example. But like Tampa Bay, okay, had high expectations. A lot of their older players, though, didn't perform as well as you want. Like that, you can kind of understand. Yeah, sometimes players get old and they don't, you know, they fall off a little bit. Sure. They had some injuries. Got it. You know, coaching wasn't great. This is the same exact team that was there last year, basically. I mean, you know, maybe even a little better. Uh, yeah. I mean, for the most part, like outside of the defense, and the defense hasn't really been the problem, especially the secondary, which is where they lost their players. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Um, it's just been bad. It's been, you know, they, they feel like the letdown team of the year. So, uh, I don't really know what to make of it. Um, you know, it's a, um, I don't really know what else to say. Yeah. I mean, it's a, um, you know, there, there's not really else to say except for it's been bad all around. It's a bad, it's a bad football team right now. Maybe it gets better, but it's been bad right now. The flip side, as we said, Titans defense is real. It's a real thing. Um, Derrick Henry might not be washed. Uh, Derrick Henry looked all the way back in this one. The Tennessee Titans have been the Jekyll and Hyde team of the season, right? Yeah. Um, you know, it's kind of like they they didn't look they looked terrible in weeks one and three, honestly, and then they looked pretty good in weeks two and four. So I don't know which which one's real, um, but yeah, I mean, like you said, this was Derrick Henry's easily his best game of the season. Um, he did some really great stuff here, and um, you know, all of a sudden Ten- Tennessee feels fine again in the the hyper competitive and AFC South. You know, we talked about the NFC South being back. Every team in the AFC South is five hundred. Like this, this perfectly is perfectly AFC South. All four teams, five hundred. All of them finish either nine and eight or eight and nine. That's going to happen. <laughs> Ooh, that would be good. I think all of them go uh, eight, eight, and one. They all tie each other. I like it. <laughs> yeah, that, that's what I want to see have happen. Um, yeah, I mean Tennessee. Tennessee looked great this game. You know this yeah. defense. This defense, I think, can compete. You know, I know. Deshaun Watson kind of beat them up last week, but this defense can compete, no doubt. I think the secondary that they spent on is good. I think, you know, I'll show years a guy who's played well to start the year. That was a free agent signing. I mean, they have pieces on that defense. Um, and if they can get this version of Henry, they're going to be the same old Tennessee Titans, which are a pain in the ass to deal with. Also, uh, if you should comment, uh, comment on this, uh, for the past like 30 minutes, two people in the chat have been uh, just arguing over a Jerry Rice situation, I believe. Yeah, they're arguing over Stickum. Like, <laughs> why are we still talking about Stickum in 2023? It, it makes no difference. Like, 
these gloves are cheat codes anyway. Let's move on. Okay, let's move on indeed. Big win for Tennessee. Big win for their division rivals, the Jacksonville Jaguars. As uh, it, Let's start off with the Toy Story game. Kyle, uh, so I made a video I, just sort of as a joke. Uh, I made a film study on Desmond Ritter, but I did the Toy Story footage. Uh, that was what <laughs> I did. It surprisingly did like... I was expecting it to just like be some funny thing. Especially with the, well, that's like eleven thousand views already. Like it, it did like pretty well for a uh, video. I wasn't expecting the Toy Story footage to uh, to pop off. Yeah, that was pretty good. Um, there was a throw in this game that was apparently a touchdown that I couldn't <laughs> see was a touchdown because the ball hit the ground, and I'm like, oh, incomplete pass, and then they shout touchdown. Um, yeah, no, I was I was watching the game uh, uh, in the morning. I was watching it with my girlfriend, uh, showing her like, "Hey, look at the Toy Story thing," and we saw it, and it's like, oh, "Okay, incompletion," and it just goes the, the animation touchdown. It's like, "Oh, okay, I guess it was. I guess it was a touchdown." Uh, yeah. I mean, it was it was a little bizarre. Uh, there was definitely a lot of glitches, but it's a uh, you know, I think it's a uh, pretty funny. Uh, you know, it was you know unique. Obviously, they're going to try different things. Um, as far as the game goes. Uh, you know, I didn't see your full Desmond Ritter video. How do you? It couldn't. It couldn't have been too nice. <laughs> I mean, I, I I did bring up, in fairness to him, like there were aliens flying above. Like you know, it's I, I would I would have a hard time being uh you know being able to handle the stress of that situation. They they replaced the uh they replaced the chain gang with the slinky dog. Like how <laughs> yeah, how was that legal? The the crane was the thing picking up the ball uh, place. I mean, just it's just great stuff. Also, uh, super chat seems like the Titans are much better at home than away. That's interesting. Maybe something to to keep an eye on uh, for. But uh, but yeah, I mean, <laughs> Toy Story, whatever. It, it's an interesting concept to have the you know sort of the AI generated uh, football game. Uh, it's it wasn't the best way to watch uh, a football game. But talking about the game itself. Uh, which again, I watched Toy Story footage, so I'm not going to sit here and say that I have the perfect understanding of it. Ritter was making some bad plays. It's kind of one of those things. It's like Bijan Robinson has been exactly what they wanted him to be. He's been a superstar. He's been exactly how they hope he could be. It doesn't matter. They don't have the quarterback situated. Like they're not going to be successful unless Ritter can play much better than what he's doing right now. Yeah, I mean the thing is, is like. Like you said, Bijan's been phenomenal, but they can only give the ball 14 times a game because they're behind 17 in the first half. Right. And their quarterback is actively giving the ball away. Like, I think they would love to get Bijan 24, 25 carries a game, but they can't because they're behind two scores, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know? Um, so, yeah, I think it's a, uh, you know, there's a lot of weapons on this Atlanta team. And, you know, I know the the Kyle Pitts thing has fell below expectations and, you know, Drake London didn't have the touchdown that, was allegedly caught, although Toy Story says otherwise. Uh, you know, there was that play, but at the same time, like, there was a lot of, uh, you know, there's a lot of pieces here that, you know, could this be a team that if they added someone next season, you know, could have that quarterback away sort of mantra? Like, if this team added Kirk Cousins next year, like, what would be your expectations for the Falcons? I still think, I don't know if they're like, I still think they're kind of get put into the tier of like they're a playoff team, but I don't know how much better than that. Although I do feel like, I don't know, why wait till next year? Why not make a trade to uh, the Vikings right now? Signing him in the offseason instead of using draft capital, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, but I mean, if you could make it work where you don't have to pay him a ton of money, like that way you can kind of go all in in this situation for at least a year. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, there's, there's you know, arguments, I think, for both sides, but... 
yeah, I mean, that too. If they felt like they were good enough right now, trade for Kirk Cousins. But just in general, if they added a player of that caliber, it feels like they could be, you know, pretty good. Like, I don't, I don't know if they're competing with like Philly and San Francisco, but it feels like that they could be, you know, in the ballpark of something interesting because there, there's too much talent here to kind of, you know, have a quarterback with a QBR of 10.7 out of 100. Right. Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, if they traded for Kirk Cousins, their favorites to win the division, I think, like today. Yeah, I would say so too. This seems good. I like this team, but it just, you, you, you can't win. You know, you can win with mediocre quarterback play. You can get by, you know, quarterback wins aren't everything, but you, it's very difficult to win with actively terrible quarterback play. And we've seen actively terrible quarterback play from several teams. And Desmond Ritter is one of those guys. Yeah. Got to give credit to Jacksonville, though. Even Trayvon Walker had a sack. So how about that for Trayvon Walker watch? Uh, that's still two less than Josh Allen. Josh Allen with three sacks in this one. Uh, Andre Cisco and Darius Williams both with good interception uh, as the, you know, uh, I thought Lawrence was very uh, Lawrence has, I think, been better than the numbers would suggest this year. Uh, I still don't know if he's been like elite, but he's still been very good this year. I had a really good game, I thought. Another kind of, uh, you know, the uh, the toys could have made some more plays for him, but uh, still a very good game. <laughs> yeah, uh, I did think he played well, too. I agree with you. I think that there are, um, you know, I think Ben Solak on the ringer, ringer did a pretty deep dive into Jacksonville's offense. I don't think they're really maximizing the offensive play calling right now. And I do think, you know, I think he's had some bad moments this, this season, but he makes some actively pretty great throws too. So I think as a whole, like he's still really good. He's still, you know, the guy that, you know, talent wise, we could see being one of the best in the league one day. Um, but, you know, I, I think the, I think he still could play a little bit better. And I think the talent needs to get better. You know, people need to be better around him too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, I'm with you. Let's, move on we have five games left to talk about Steelers Texans another young quarterback to talk about it's, it's the CJ Stroud mania CJ Stroud uh having another game of over 10 yards per attempt I mean what's crazy about this game is we kind of talked about going in like I don't know if you know he said looked good but this is a tough defense got Alex Highsmith and TJ Watt coming to town like there could be some issues here and like those were issues. Like, like he did have to deal with that. It wasn't like that wasn't like it, like that disrupted plays pretty consistently in this game, but he's kind of waited it out. Didn't make the mistake. And then when the opportunities came, he was able to take advantage. Nico Collins, 168 yards and a pair of touchdowns in this game. Uh, running game wasn't overly spectacular as we knew it wouldn't be, but it didn't matter. I mean, Straub was, uh, Straub was great. And, uh, you know, we can talk about the Steelers in a second, but first, uh, great stuff from the Texans, even their defense looking really good so far. There's a lot to talk about the Houston Texans, which is probably mm. the best thing that we could say about them. You know, it's a, it's been an impressive couple of weeks now. Um, and you know, the, I, I, I even think you're kind of underselling the Stroud thing. I mean, he was actively phenomenal in this game. I know, you know, he was only like just over 50% completion, but like that second touchdown throw to Nico Collins, the 52 yarder, like that was a phenomenal throw over a, you know, trailing corner. Um, and that was a tough throw to make, and he put it on the dot. And putting it on the dot also let Collins run in for the end touchdown after the fact, you know, creating those yard-after-catch opportunities. Everything about it has been, you know, Stroud has checked all the boxes we wanted to start the year. Um, and this feels like a real, like, you know, it's still only four weeks into his career. I don't want to jump the gun or anything like that, but this, this feels like a moment for the Texans. This is a franchise-altering moment if he's this good. Like that's that's what we're talking about for a team that's been in futility for 
multiple multiple years now like this this is a moment that could change your entire franchise if he's this good he's been very good especially for a rookie I think there's been a I wouldn't say he's been phenomenal uh I, I think that would be a bit of a strong word to use I think he's been good uh I think that I don't know I feel like I I always come off as a hater on these things. What he's done so early on to his career is outstanding. And like to me, you know, I'm someone who picked him as I said he was my quarterback one coming out of this draft. So like I have a vested interest in wanting him to succeed. You know, he did miss throws in this game. He did still struggle a little bit when he's getting pressure up the middle. Like that, that did happen. We can't pretend like it didn't. The good outweighed the bad consistently though, and the bad wasn't that bad. Like this was a very good like again. An amazing rookie performance and a good quarterback performance and a good quarterback performance in your fourth performance against the Pittsburgh Steelers is amazing. Yeah, I mean, I mean, just talking about it, though, like, I mean, in a four game sample size now, he has twelve hundred over twelve hundred yards passing, six touchdowns, no interceptions. Um, and, you know, the his QBR, which, you know, all those, you know, stats aren't the be all end all. But he's the 15th ranked QBR right now in the league, which kind of feels right, probably for where I would rank him for the first four weeks of the season. But at the same time, like saying a rookie quarterback is the 15th best quarterback in football and has the ceiling to be even better. Like, you know, we talked about, I, I had Stroud as my number one quarterback in this draft too. But I also said, like, I felt like this, you know, he has a Ryan Tannehill level of ability. This feels like I, I would have to raise his ceiling a significant amount. He feels like he has the ceiling to be one of the better quarterbacks in the league, you know, maybe quickly too. Um, you know, and he's playing, you know, for a rookie, I think it's phenomenal football. And I think, you know, you, you don't see you don't see that many rookies come into the league with this amount of poise and, you know, this amount of ability. It just seems like from day one, it just seems like, you know, for a group that we thought was actively a bad group offensively, he's been able to kind of make it look really good at times. Yeah, I mean, it honestly reminds me of Deshaun Watson's rookie year. Uh, you know, Watson got hurt early on, but like he, you know, it that that it feels very similar. You know, even like the same number and everything. Uh, or did, did Watson? In my head, he wore seven, but I could be wrong about that. Maybe he wore four. Uh, but it, you know, anyway, uh, go. It's it's incredible stuff. Are we buying Houston as a playoff contender? I think I, I think I'm I'm buying in a little bit, especially because part of me was like, well, it's the AFC, it's tough, but at the same time, they play in the AFC South, which is you know. Uh, a lot of least decent teams there, but it feels like, you know, I think 10 wins could potentially win that division still. So like, I don't know, kind of buying in a little. Yeah. I mean, teams won two in a row. It's not crazy to say this team could win the AFC South. Like, I think it's, it's proven to be a more competitive division than we thought, but I don't think anyone stood out significantly above the other in this division so far. And if you just look at their upcoming schedule, it's at Atlanta, NFC South. Yeah, so they play at Atlanta. Um, you know, Falcons have kind of waned the last couple of weeks. You know, Derek Carr is not necessarily healthy when they go home to New Orleans. Um, the Panthers look terrible. They're at Carolina. So, you know, what if this seems 5-2? and two? And, you know, the Tampa defense is going to be tough, but, like, you have that. The Bengals don't 100% look right. Then you have the Cardinals, who, you know, still talent-wise, I don't think are one of the best teams in the league, even if they're scrappy. And then the Jaguars, you just kick their butt. Like, this, this schedule's And soft, then Denver and then the Jets. I mean, they're going to win 10 games. <laughs> like, this, this feels like a pretty soft schedule now that I keep looking down and down at it. Like, they, they, there's a huge opportunity here when looking at the schedule to say this team could win a lot of games. Like, yeah, I mean, you can go all the way to the Jets game and say, you know, they, they might have – they might. 
win a lot of those games. They're probably favored in more of those games than they are at this point. The issue is, of course, the other teams in the division also get to play all those teams. So, like, that's, uh, you know, kind yeah. of, uh, you know, part of how it works. But, like, and obviously just because, you know, it's one of those things where if you're favored to win seven games, doesn't mean you're going to win those seven games. Uh, you'll probably lose some of those, but in win games, you're not favored in uh, all that stuff. But uh, definitely feels like a real chance. Pittsburgh, this was tough for Kenny Pickett. I mean, you know, has the, the injury, which already sucks, uh, you know, that alone, and also just didn't play well in this one. So like, uh, you know, I think I, I see uh, something saying like they're hopeful. It's not a major injury. Cause what, what, if it, you know, I first thought maybe it was like an ACL or something. And I was kind of thinking like that could almost be the end of Kenny Pickett in the NFL. I mean, this has been a bad, or at least as a starter, uh, I should say, cause like, you know, it's been a bad year for him. Now he's banged up. Uh, like, I don't think it's out of the question that Mitchell Trubisky could outplay him. Like it, what a disappointment for such high hopes for Kenny Pickett coming into this year. It's just been a mess so far through four weeks. Yeah. This offense has been a problem. Like, I don't know. I, I, I might be ready to write off Pittsburgh, honestly. And they're still only two and yeah. two. Like they're just not like, I don't know. It's just one of those teams where it's like, yeah, they might be more competitive because this defense can make plays. And not only can this defense make plays, like they can like swing games with like major plays and they mm-hmm. have the talent to do that. But like, I don't know, like, it's just one of those things where you watch them playing and you're like, I don't think this is one of the best seven teams in the AFC, you know? Yeah. So it's just bizarre. Yeah, uh, they seem to destined for another eight, uh, nine and eight uh, performance that does not make the playoffs. Yeah, potentially. There's four games left. Let's go Raiders-Chargers. As this game very quickly got away from Las Vegas, Aiden O'Connell uh, loves the fumble, uh, three fumbles in this game. They lost two yeah. of them. So a uh, big, big fumble guy, Aiden O'Connell, but, uh, you know, didn't make some plays to help him get back in this game. He also loves to hold on to the football. I mean, Khalil Mack had five sacks in this game. Uh, Aiden O'Connell, a big, you know, or excuse me, he had six sacks in this game, uh, which ties the NFL record. I believe it ties the NFL record, uh, you know, which is, uh, you know, he also has six sacks on the season. Now Khalil Mack does. So interesting mm-hmm. stuff there. You know, I thought O'Connell actually had an okay game. He had some real issues, but I thought made some plays well. and was able to kind of run the offense effectively in the fourth quarter. You know, I think a couple things to talk about. One, this was a weird Chargers game because it's a Chargers, and that's what they do. The offense still not getting going. Quentin Johnston still not doing what we hoped he could do coming into the year. You know, the entire receiving core is just not stepping up the way you want it to. Herbert did not have his best game on top of this. And a Brandon Staley decision that we will get into. Uh, Kyle, where do you want to start? Uh, yeah, we can get into all of it. I mean, I guess the first thing is it's, it's funny that, you know, Justin Herbert's worst game of the year comes in a win, which is, uh, you know, just a hilarious oxymoron for the Herbert haters who say QB wins mm-hmm. be all end all. Um, right. you know, he was very good today. I know he was dealing with that injury thing. So, I mean, I don't know how much to take into that account, but yeah, I mean, <laughs> the funny thing is, is like, the Chargers won this game. I may be selling the Chargers more after this because, you know, Herbert, you know, it's the left hand. So obviously he's probably going to be fine to play this season, but he picked up an injury and it's like Mike Williams was already injured and Joey Bosa's hurt. And, you know, you say like the, the big thing with this game is that the, the secondary guys for the Raiders or the Chargers finally stepped up in a big way where Asante Samuel Jr. had a pick, Khalil Mack had a big game, you know, uh, you can go to, um, 
you know, the, the run defense played well, you know, Josh Palmer had a couple, you know, that big play at the end of the game, you know, you could say finally the, the chargers, you know, supporting cast steps up, but this still feels like a team that's dependent on stars and they're losing stars by the minute at this point. Yeah. Not ideal. Um, what did you think? So you love to criticize Brandon Staley. Uh, I sometimes like to, I don't mind him going for them these fourth downs. I don't, I think it's the right call. Um, want me to explain? Uh, shall I, uh, here, why don't I, I mean, the analytics say it's not just like it was the right call, but it gives you basically like a 10% win percentage, like jump to go for it. Like it's like a pretty significant, cause like the way you view it is you said it's, you can make, keep possession, which more or less can win you the football game. And if you don't, all it's risking is like 40 yards of field position. So it's like, yeah. you're getting a huge benefit of potentially, and it's only a yard. And like they even went for the quarterback sneak, like the tush push, which is like this unstoppable play. It's just, of course, because anytime Brandon Staley goes for it on a controversial fourth down, it just can't work out. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing. Like, I, I was in this rant earlier with somebody else. My issue with the fourth down decision bot and the analytics that go into it is I feel like the analytics aren't telling the entire story sometimes. There's not enough variable when it comes to the analytics to me to, you know, it seems like people are just taking the 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 win probability of going for it versus the win probability of kicking punting or kicking the field goal and then putting that together and say you have a plus 10% chance of winning the game going for it on fourth down and that's what you should do. That feels like the like so that that's kind of the win probability variable it seems like that's taken into account by everybody. But my issue with it is like it doesn't take into account certain things like a how your team performs on fourth and short situations most times. I don't know the Chargers situation, but this team has actively not run the ball well a lot. I can't imagine them being good on, you know, third and short, fourth and short situations most of the year. Um, and then the other thing too, with like the, the Bears game too played in it, the the decision last week and the, the decision this week um, for Staley. The, the issue I have with it too is that you take in the win probability percentages of punt versus go. It feels like it doesn't take the win probability percentages of converting the fourth down versus not converting the fourth down in the play. And it, it worked out both of these last two weeks because they got interceptions in the end zone. But it also feels like that there is not a variable. There is not enough variable to saying you're giving a team 30 yards of field to win the game or in this case, tie the game um, versus giving the team 80 yards of field to potentially win or tie the game. And what do you mean? I mean I, that, that's obviously baked in to like the, the stats. Well, it's baked into the win probability, but when you're just focusing on win probability versus going for it versus kicking the ball, it doesn't even take in, that that number is still not taking into account the full spectrum of, you know, what happens if you don't convert it. And no, that, that, that's factored in. It doesn't seem like it's factored in enough, in my opinion. That's just my point. It's that, okay. you know, it's not really explained enough in that math. And that's why people don't get it. And that's why I don't think it makes enough sense. You know, there's no way that, the, the percentage of chance that you don't convert it only factors into a 10% difference in win probability. That just doesn't feel right because they had, you know, both of these instances, like I said, they both won the game, but, you know, they they gave up real opportunities for teams to beat them because of those situations. And, you know, you could probably justify this one more than last week because they were up seven instead of four. So, you know, the Raiders, unless they were going to go for two, probably the best they could do is tie the game. But like the last week one too, I just thought like, you know, why even give that team an opportunity, you know, make, you know, 
you could say, well, their defense stinks. It doesn't matter if they have to go 80 yards, but you know, I'm still taking the team going 80 yards every time. Well, here's the way to, we don't spend forever on this, but here's the way to visualize it. I think is just the difference in the field position just isn't as valuable as a chance to convert one play, which is a high percentage play to win the football game. Cause but they never convert them. So how is it a high percentage play? They never convert them. <laughs> okay, well they haven't they've gone over two this season, but it's not like they don't convert third and ones or fourth and ones. But it just feels like, you know, it, it this team doesn't perform well, it seems like in a lot of these fourth down situations. So shouldn't that be factored into the variable if you suck in short yardage situations? I don't know. I mean, I think that they haven't I think that when they don't perform when they don't convert, people blow it up. I'm saying if Mike McDaniel did this, no one would be criticizing him. I think people like to criticize however they can, honestly. Well, maybe, but, but I'm just, I think that I think Brandon Staley has become a punching bag, and for some of very valid reasons. But it's just if if we want to say that okay, they actually the way I view it is I you know you take the other stuff. I I start with analytics and then make my decision after. I start with okay, analytics strongly suggest you should go for it here. If the situation tells me otherwise, I'm fine with changing my opinion. Like that's you know I think everyone who uses analytics agrees that like it's not a exact science it's you know kind of in a vacuum does this decision make sense but what if it's not in a vacuum uh but you know it's not in a vacuum so you can use other things to help make your decision uh i just think that like in this scenario i think the chargers offense i would trust that to get a play against the raiders defense with a quarterback sneak it just it didn't work out this time yeah there i, I don't know like it just feels like that there's not enough factored into the opportunity to not convert it. Like it just feels like that that is a huge just you know momentum's another thing that also can't be factored into that. And I mean, it just feels like a lot of that isn't enough variable in my opinion because it feels like that's a massive change of the game. And you know we saw that with the Bears situation too, where you know there was also with that Bears game, you know, multiple minutes on the clock. And I just I, I think that there I don't think it's as simple as you know doing win probability minus run probability and saying this is your decision off of it. And even then, no. I think the Bears one was, you know, I think I saw the fourth down decision, but it was even wrong to, like, kind of go for it at that moment. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I'm not even talking about the, the Bears one's a whole other uh, scenario. All I'm saying is it's a useful tool to use, uh, and I think in this scenario is the right call. That's fair. And I think it's more justified this week than last week because, like I said, they're up seven. Because that, that Vikings game, you know, being up four in that situation and giving Kirk Cousins 20 yards if you don't convert it, I feel like that's a massive that's a massive situation. Okay. Uh, well, we can, you know, maybe we'll do a whole, you know, we're an hour 20. I think, it's the, I think it was the correct call both times. I think that the, you know, uh, I'm not saying that just because the numbers say you should do it, you should do it. I think it's fine to say that other situations, again, anyone who uses the analytics agrees you should take in moment. You know, it doesn't take in momentum into account. It doesn't take all this other stuff into account. Everyone agrees with that. It's just the, uh, you know, I think you have to be able to explain it. If the analytics say, don't go for it. I think you should have to be able to give a reason of why you should be ignoring the analytics in that scenario. Sure. Yeah. I can agree mm -hmm. with that. Yeah. All right. Uh, good, good debate here, Kyle. Uh, usually we don't uh, get into it uh, this much. Yeah. Um, Nothing like a good fourth down decision to rile up some people. Yeah, uh, and always interesting. Three games left to talk about, unless you had any other final thoughts on that one. Uh, no, let's move on. Um, okay, let's go Cardinals-Niners. You know, this was I feel like a closer game than the score might indicate. You know, the Niners kind of went away with it at the end with a 14-0 fourth, 
quarter performance. But again, Josh Dobbs and the Cardinals, uh, they're scrappy. They, they kept, kept, they, they can't cover. Cardinals couldn't defend uh, the Niners' defense. And, you know, eventually their offense was going to give out. But, you know, made it interesting for three quarters. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this, this Cardinals team, like you said, continues to scrap. I still think San Francisco was the better team, deserved the win, all that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, I mean, they continue to scrap and continue to make things at least a little more interesting, even if San Francisco kind of put them to bed at the end. So, you know, credit to the Cardinals for that. They did really well on third down. They made some big plays, but uh, yeah, I mean, that's just a really tough matchup, honestly, though, man, like, you know, the, the 49ers are getting off the bus and dropping 30 on everybody. They are, they are a wagon. They are a wagon right now. Seven and a half yards per play. Um, every Everything about the 49ers is going well. And yeah, I mean, this Cardinals team is a lot more interesting than we all thought it would be. Yeah, I mean, do we buy into the Cardinals at all? Or are they just like a scrappy underdog? I feel like every year there's one scrappy underdog team, right? Like the Lions were there, Dan Campbell's first year. I think the, the Dolphins uh, ended up being that with, in Brian Flores' first year after a tough start. Like there's always that one scrappy underdog team. Yeah, I mean, you said it earlier. They still can't really defend. They managed to win in the red zone against the Cowboys, and that's kind of how they won that game. But they still can't, I feel like, as a team, really defend all that well. Their secondary just doesn't have the pieces. So I still think they're going to win a lot more, lose a lot more games than they win. But yeah, maybe they're maybe they're at least interesting in all these games at least. And they should be getting Kyler Murray back at some point, allegedly. Yeah, we'll see about that. I don't know. Uh, that should if with Kyler Murray, I mean, it, it does. They do become, I think, more, a more interesting team. Yeah. Do they want Kyler Murray back? Or do they want the uh, draft position? Well, that that's the thing. Although you know, with the way Josh Dobbs is playing, uh, maybe they need to. Uh, I don't know uh, who else is on the roster. Yeah. Bring Josh. Keep Josh Dobbs as the backup. <laughs> yeah, they need, um, they need to figure something out. Uh, yeah. Brock Purdy, uh, two hundred and eighty-three yards on just twenty-one attempts, only one incompletion, twenty for twenty-one. Uh, has 283 yards and one completion. Like there was nothing he could do. There was pressure right in his face. Uh, it's uh, you know, basically a perfect performance from Brockford. Basically perfect, 13 and a half yards per attempt. And you know what? I'm gonna say it. It's still way too early for MVP talk. But with all of the quarterbacks in the league basically having at least one dud performance during the year, Christian McCaffrey is the NFL MVP through the first four weeks of the season. I don't oh care about your quarterbacks. Oh Christian McCaffrey is the best quarterback and the best player in football right now, offensively at least. He's the MVP through the first four weeks of the season. He's been unbelievable. He's the best running back in football again. Well, I did predict him to win Offensive Player of the Year, so I feel uh, pretty good about uh, – no, he's not – I mean, how do we define MVP? What he's doing. He is averaging like six yards a touch as a running back. I mean, he's got seven touchdowns. I mean, he, he has – so you're just coming for all the anti-analytics uh, arguments here yeah, an hour and 30 minutes into the show. He's been brilliant. He's been the best player on the best team. Like, he, he's been amazing. Kyle, if if Christian McCaffrey gets hurt or Brock Purdy, if if you could, if the Niners had to trade away either Brock Purdy or Christian McCaffrey, who are they trading away for nothing? Brock Purdy. I don't, I don't think that's true. I think Brock Purdy means more to this team than Christian McCaffrey does. I thought you were going to say Brock Purdy deserved MVP, and I thought that would be a hot take too. No, I mean he's he's been great, but I mean he's been really good. He's performed above expectations again. Continues to win, still undefeated, all that kind of stuff. And you know, for all the credits we give, all the credit we give the Cardinals for scrapping, um, maybe we should also give credit to San Francisco for kind of beating them down at the end of this game when 
you know, they've kind of managed to hang with everybody and San Francisco puts them away too. So I don't know. I think, I think McCaffrey has been the best player in football. I think he has, he's been consistently great. He hasn't put a foot wrong and you know, he's, he was nearly perfect again in this one. I just, I, I don't believe you. I don't think that you think that Christian McCaffrey means more and adds more value than Josh Allen does this so far this season. I mean, Josh Allen threw three interceptions in a game that they lost. Yeah, McCaffrey didn't throw three interceptions in a game. Yeah, he doesn't have to. He's been perfect. He's been borderline perfect. The the if so if the Bills trade for Christian McCaffrey, you're like, oh my god, uh, Josh Allen for Christian. You're like, what a what a trade by Buffalo. Uh, what that's a, not, a genius. No, that's not what I'm saying. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm saying through the first four weeks of the season, Christian McCaffrey has been the best player. I that doesn't again, mean. That doesn't mean he's the most valuable and like deserves the award. I think he's been the best player in football through the first four weeks of the year, though. Are you taking him? But like, the award is most valuable player. Yeah, but uh, you know, we spend so much time on this debate. Why doesn't the best player just win the award? If he's the best player, he deserves. Well, that's the award. a totally that's a fine argument. I don't I don't necessarily disagree with, with that, but I think that that's why to have the offense. I agree. There should be an award for like most outstanding player. Yeah, and I mean. I would say right now he's been incredibly valued to the San Francisco success. I mean, this offense is phenomenal. Like I can't say it enough. They, they score 30 on everybody. They might average 30 points a game this year. And he's been a huge reason why. No, uh, no, I I completely agree. So just to be clear of what you're saying, you're not saying that McCaffrey is the actual has had added the most value to his team compared to other players. It's that you think that he is just been the most outstanding, you know, take positional value out of the equation, he's been the best player. Yeah, yeah, without a doubt. Okay. I think. Well, yeah, been, sure. Yeah. That I that that's totally uh, fine. Yeah. So I I just think it's it's been a really good performance for him. I mean, this this San Francisco team, you know, I can't say enough about this group. I mean, honestly, like there's, it seems like every week they're just way better than everybody else. They're playing a different sport almost. Yeah, no, they're they're unbelievable. I mean, the, the like there's a like fourth down pl- or yeah, fourth down play where uh, George Kittle just gets wide open. It's like, oh yeah, the, your fourth option is George Kittle. <laughs> yeah, and he had one catch this game. He had one catch. Yeah, <laughs> you know, they're just they they have so many weapons and opportunities, and it's not even just on the offensive side of the ball. You know, they have all these guys on defense too. I mean, it's just it's it's hard to like say anything bad about them like they're just actively phenomenal they're the best team in the league right now yeah a lot of people discussing the uh brock purdy versus chris like i don't know brock purdy's i I think we've seen you know i think brock purdy's good uh kind of like what your take earlier like he's a good gordon like he was nearly perfect in this game like if they don't have if they're going to sam darnold here this is the ball this is the close game i think with sam darnold in the game like i think having what brock purdy does the 15th best quarterback or whatever you want to call him like that compared to like a you know backup quarterback is huge, and that's what you know San Francisco's had with him. He's never lost. Yeah, I mean, look at what Purdy did today, and look at that stat line, and say how does an, how does any quarterback do better than what Purdy did today? <laughs> he literally threw one incompletion. Like right. obviously, you know, there's still like the Mahomes factor of like that guy can obviously create some bigger plays, but you know, you can't criticize a guy. Yeah. Yeah, he's still kind of like kind of managing this offense and he has a lot of weapons at his disposal. But this guy basically didn't put a foot wrong for 60 minutes in this game. Like, I don't know what you want him to do. Like, does he have to do a backflip while making the throw to impress <laughs> yeah, you guys? He's, like, he's to do some backflips. Yeah, I mean, he's dominating these games. He threw one incompletion. Like, I don't know what else he has to do. 
Yeah, uh, it's really good stuff. Um, let's move on. Two games left. Vikings Panthers for a second starting to look like this could be a, a up, upside potential. Uh, although the Vikings kind of pulled away in this, you know, uh, second half as Kirk Cousins, you know, only 19 attempts in this one did throw two picks. One of them being a pick six, like at the goal line. That wasn't great. Uh, as a uh, whole, though, yeah. you know, they, they did enough. Carolina's offense is just completely inept at this point. Yes. Yeah. Um, and I don't even think like Bryce was a disaster today. I mean, I didn't think he was like great or anything, but I didn't think he, you know, he still had some moments and some flashes of being okay. Um, you know, they just don't have a lot of help and all, all of our fears for Carolina have been realized. Um, and even then, like a couple receivers had decent days for them today and it's just not enough. There's not enough pieces here. They paid Miles Sanders, which made no sense. Um, we watched Miles Sanders play and said that guy's not a game changer. Um, you, you know, Adam Thielen. I would say Adam Thielen has blown away my expectations. Yeah, he's worked. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, you know, I, I still don't think he's a great option to have as your number one receiver. And mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I just think this is a a really bad offense, and they're bad at every position group too. Is a problem. Like they're bad at receiver, they're bad at running back. They're they got a rookie quarterback, and they got a bad offensive line in front of them. Like, there's not a single thing that Carolina does well offensively. Yeah, it's unfortunate. I mean, you know, people are you know people are asking <laughs> co- comments, and the people are commenting, "Is Bryce Young a bust? What's he supposed to do?" Like, I don't know. Like, he's not playing great, but like, any CJ Stroud would look bad in this situation. Like, yeah, you, you know, Trevor Lawrence was in a similar situation and looked terrible. If I'm an NFL team and I have a young quarterback. Get LaVisca Chenault away. Uh, I don't want him anywhere near. Whatever whatever reason, that seems to be a trend. Uh, I don't know. It's just like, I'm not saying he's playing great or anything, but he's not a bust after four games not playing great while in a terrible situation. Yeah. Here's my concern with Bryce, what we've watched the first four weeks of the season, because this isn't nearly all on him. Like I said, this is a bad offense just as a whole. And I'm not sure any quarterback can come into this situation and be good. Maybe like... Mahomes and Herbert. Like, I don't know who else would come into this situation and be good. Josh Allen, too, obviously. Um, the concern you have with Bryce, and I, I don't remember who said this, but somebody else said this and I heard it, and it kind of put it together perfectly. There have been bad plays that he's made that actively look like bad plays because he's small. You know? Yeah. And so your concern is, like, obviously the situation around him isn't great, but there's also problems where like his major like physical deficiency is kind of being exposed in the league. And I think that's something to kind of watch this season. And as he kind of, you know, grows as a player, like, is this is something he's going to have to, you know, it's obviously something he's going to have to overcome uh, as an NFL player, but is it something he can overcome? I think it's a problem. Yeah. I think that's totally fair. I also thought this might've been his best game so far. I mean, it's not saying much, but I think this probably was his best game so far. Yeah, I mean, it, it might have been, and that's that's also kind of bad, I think. Like I yeah. said, he wasn't a disaster, but I wouldn't classify it as, like, solid either. Right, I agree. One game left, a 28-3 to game, huh? That score sounds vaguely familiar. The, <laughs> you know, uh, you picked the Browns to win. I had a feeling if you knew Dorian Thompson-Robinson was in, you might not have made that selection. Uh, DTR, yeah. you know, uh, the hype for him has fully died after he has a rough first performance of 121 yards on 36 attempts no touchdowns three interceptions that's a brutal stat line against baltimore's good defense tough i mean tough spot for him to get thrown in here absolutely i don't even know how many 
uh, you know, first team reps you got or anything. Passer rating of twenty five point three is uh, is brutal. Meanwhile, Baltimore, you know, looks good. Offense looks good. Kind of a, a game they expected to win, and we're able to. Yeah, you, you'd love to see what this Baltimore team looks healthy because we just want to see these guys on the field, man. Especially on offense, mm-hmm. I want to see this all kind of put together. Obviously, we can't get that right now, but yeah, I mean, like you said, Baltimore looked good. I picked this game under the impression that Watson was going to be ready to go. I think I even saw a report Saturday that he was going to be fine and ready. Yeah. And then Sunday he was ruled mm-hmm. out. And yeah. so I don't, obviously I don't know what happened. Obviously they probably tested it and didn't work out on the field that day. Um, so kind of like, I, I'm willing to punt this game for Cleveland. Cause it's like, what do you, what do you take away from this when your quarterback has 3.4 yards per attempt and, three turnovers so and could have had more honestly in this one so i'm willing to punt it for cleveland i still think this defense is nasty even though lamar kind of picked them apart honestly he didn't have to do a whole lot but he did play well um but yeah i mean i just think the uh you know punt this game for cleveland not really taking anything away from it but i think uh baltimore did look good and they passed all their tests against a good defense yeah, Baltimore did what they should have done uh, in this game. It's kind of how I view it. And yeah, I was impressed with their offense. Uh, Lamar nearly 10 yards per attempt. Uh, I don't have too much to add on this one. I know we didn't take much for it, but I don't think it needs much. Yeah, I don't think it revealed too much about Cleveland, obviously. And, you know, you could say you come came away with impressed with Baltimore's performance, but um, I am impressed. I, I would love to just see all these guys on the field for both of these teams because, I, you know, they're the two best teams at the AFC North right now. <laughs> like, no doubt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, if you're a fan of Team Kyle, you have to be rooting for the Seattle Seahawks to win tomorrow. As a big, you locked up the Seahawks minus, uh, actually, I think they're, they were underdogs, right? Uh, so yeah. you just need a win for Seattle. So uh, definitely, you know, th- that's a big one. As you could, I don't believe you take the lead, but I think you come close to, you, you'd only be down like one point, I believe, if you can nail this one. So big, big game for you. Yeah, need a big bounce back week. Uh, Seattle has dropped 37 points in their last two games, which is a huge uh, benefit. The Giants, um, you know, Andrew Thomas is out. Saquon Barkley's doubtful. Not looking too good for them, but we'll see. Joe says, uh, I'm uh, on Team Kyle, but I'm also on Team uh, New York Giants. So, yeah, tough situation here for Joe. Um, the, you know, it should be an interesting one. Kyle, let me know if I can find us on Twitter before we head out. Yeah, make sure to follow us on Twitter. Uh, it is at Jackson Kruger. Make sure to follow me at by Kyle Gronin. And make sure to follow the account page at on the sideline JK. That is at on the sideline JK. Of course, you like audio only podcast. Anywhere you get the audio only feed uh, on the sideline podcast. Uh, search that. It'll be available. We have bye weeks, so hopefully not uh, as long of a show Coming up, Kyle, we're almost you know at 140 here on the East Coast. We were we're making good time, and then uh, we just got into the analytics talk, and things got you know almost reminded me of back when we were you know before we were in podcasting, we would just yell at each other about random sports uh, things. Yeah, yeah, just sitting in the corner at like the random college parties, just like <laughs> discussing something. You know, me trying to tell you Stephon Gilmore is the best defensive player in football, uh-huh. and then justifying myself because he wins one Defensive Player of the Year award. <laughs> Yeah, uh, right. Uh, that was uh, it's g- good time. Uh, so why why we do it here? Uh, always have fun. Uh, and Kyle, I'm I gotta be honest. I'm nervous about playing the Texas Rangers uh, round one. Yeah, uh, we talked about it a little last week. Texas is one of those teams that it feels like they can match their way to a couple series wins. I mean, that lineup is pretty devastating. I mean, they added this kid, uh, that this kid Evan Carter, late in the year as a you know late minor league call up. 
And, you know, I watched them in double A because they played their double A games in Frisco, which is nearby. And the kids, of course, you did. It just, of course, you have like this insight in on this. It's just no, it's a compliment. It's just like you just know, you, yeah, I feel, yeah. no matter, I'll bring up one random team. You're like, oh, I know this one small player from this thing that's on this. Yeah. Uh, incredible stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's just funny because I, I even went, like, I have some friends nearby who are Rangers fans, and I went to the first game of the year, even. And I'm like, the seven Carter guy's good. And I'm like, okay. And then, like, he's come up in September and he's just kind of nasty. And, you, you, you know, their weakest spot in the lineup was the left field. And, they plug him in there and all of a sudden this lineup looks pretty devastating. Um, but they also convert like 47% of their save opportunities. So I don't know what to take of that. Yeah. And that that's a little bit misleading too. Cause like, you know, obviously they have, there's more opportunities to blow a save in a game than to earn a save in a game. So I think mm-hmm. like that's always that, you know, mis- but like, yeah, I mean, they've been so cold this past month. That's why I'm giving myself some hope, but uh, you know, I mean, it's, it's just tough. I mean, the, they're going to have to play, you know, uh, Texas round one, and then if they win, have to play Baltimore round two, and then if they win, probably to Houston, the Astros. I mean, it's just it's going to be tough, you know. Uh, I'm, I'm hopeful we can at least uh, get past uh, the Rangers here. That would be the hope. Um, I do still kind of like Tampa in that series, but mm-hmm. it definitely becomes a little more interesting, I think, as uh, you know, Texas managed to put together that six game winning streak towards the end of the year that kind of pushed them over the top. So I think they lost race. three or four. Uh, well, yeah, I yeah. mean that that last one's always the hardest, you know. You, you, you it's gut wrenching time there. They managed to get it done. That was all that mattered. Um, but it's I, not because they they lost the division because of it. Yeah, they got in. I'm, I'm this this team hasn't been good in like ten years. So I'm you know them getting in. I think is just half the battle. Kind of, but I don't know. I mean, I think I think that's a huge. I mean, you think about of course Houston gets this super. Think Houston's road now. They get a bye week for the first thing, and then they have to play the winner of Minnesota versus uh, versus uh, Toronto. Houston's in the, the ALCS. <laughs> that is that is actually a huge benefit. You're right. mm-hmm. um, so I don't know. Like I, they're going to be tough out. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think you know outside of Minnesota, there doesn't feel like any any short thing losses in this uh, postseason. Like mm-hmm. even if you look at like the NFC at NFC the NL side. Uh, you know, the the uh, the Phillies, you know, kind of came alive with their bats in September. They could be interesting. I think the Diamondbacks even have some interesting players. I don't you know, I'm not picking them to probably win. But, mm-hmm. you know, uh, I, I think the only team I'm probably writing off is the Marlins in the NL and probably the Twins in the AL. So it'll be interesting. And I can even see the Twins beating the Toronto. I don't think that's like a that's a, to me. That's an interesting series. That's fair. Yeah. Um, twins, you know. It'll be interesting to see. I agree with you. That'll be fun. Yeah, they're just hoping to win a game. That, that's all Twins fans want. <laughs> just a playoff win. Yeah, that that'll make them happy. All right, that's our baseball talk. It's a you know uh, we're past the uh, one forty mark here on the East Coast, so we uh, I gotta get to bed. Uh, uh, Kyle, any final thoughts? Uh, no, looking forward to Monday night. Looking forward to some bye weeks, like you said, so we don't have hour forty five minute podcast episodes. <laughs> and yeah. uh, you know. Everyone enjoy. You know, we got playoff baseball. We got basketball around the corner. We got preseason games starting Thursday. So a lot of injury coming up. Hockey. Hockey's coming up too. Yeah. I'm not as uh, excited. The Bruins ruined me. Sorry. Uh, but yeah. Uh, a lot of great stuff. Uh, uh, yeah. Thanks to everybody for staying. If you stayed up late here on the East Coast, uh, God bless you uh, watching this stuff. Uh, we appreciate all of you. Uh, thank you again for watching. And until next time. Have a good one. Peace.